They are guides, all guides, and in unexpected places. You'll meet their friendly faces, and a ready hand besides. There's not much danger of finding you're a stranger for a commissioner or ranger. They are guides, all guides. Hi, and welcome to Guides Own, the unofficial guiding podcast where we talk about everything guiding. I'm Taryn. And I'm Marissa. In this episode, we're talking about the symbols of the guiding movement. We'll begin with a look at the World Trefoil and then take a closer look at some of the lesser known symbols, including knots, cords, and light. And those symbols wouldn't mean much if it wasn't for one of our founders, Olave Baden-Powell, who we'll be learning about in She Was a Girl Guide, you know. There's evidence of Lady Baden-Powell built into our organization, but who knew that her hat would be a symbol that we recognize today? Lastly, we'll finish with our vision for tomorrow, a song from the Arab region of WAGS that encapsulates one of the many goals that Girl Guides and Girl Scouts are always working towards. Mm -hmm. So before we get right into it, I want to make a small like little shout out um, to all the Canadian Girl Guides listening. Um, I finally tried the Girl Guide Mint Cookie Blizzard from Dairy Queen. And I was sort of blown away um, and highly recommend you get one this summer. Um, It is the blizzard of the month for June. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But like I was just, first of all, the cookie chunks in the blizzard are huge and there's a lot of them. So big. And like, it's just such a good flavor and it's so worth it. I've seen some mixed reviews, but like if you love mint chocolate, go get it. It's worth it. It's (laughs) like a mint chocolate chip ice cream but like yes it's cookie chunks not like little chips Um, and it tastes like the cookie like the cookies are very much like the cookies you know and love yeah there is a dq with a drive-thru about a five minute drive from my apartment um we have been there more than once to get ourselves some girl guide uh blizzards the last couple of weeks yeah it's getting hot here in ontario southwestern so ontario hot. so it's definitely worth it to get it i mm-hmm. highly recommend um so enough about about the cookies we're gonna shift focus to the international stage of guiding and talk about the symbols um of which i tried to keep very international friendly um so ones that everyone would recognize and I did include maybe a few that might not be completely international, but I thought I would include them just because I think they're quite popular, um, even here in North America. So the first one um, I thought I would mention is the World Trefoil, and pretty sure we've covered this a little bit already in other episodes, but I thought we'd just do a quick review. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Trefoil is probably one of the biggest symbols for Girl Guides and Girl Scouts everywhere. It is the symbol and it unifies the symbol um, of all the movements in terms of the international side. So the WAGS trefoil in particular is well known everywhere. And every part of the WAGS trefoil has a meaning behind it. And it starts with the colors. Um, so there's a golden trefoil on a blue background. And uh, they say that this represents the sun shining over all the children of the world. The three leaves 
that make up the trefoil represent the threefold promise as original originally laid down by the founder. The base of the stock represents the flame of the love of humanity. And the vein pointing upwards, sort of right in the middle, um, uh, is supposed to represent the compass needle pointing the way. So girl guides, you know, sort of know where they're going. Um, and lastly, the two stars on either side represent the promise and the law. So pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. I think a lot of even um, of the country organizations who have a trefoiled in their logo, they have very similar representations about each point. Um, mm -hmm. I think the trefoil, first of all, in general, the three parts, right? The three leaves is, is the three-fold promise um, and that's pretty consistent across a lot of organizations. I know in Canada, yeah. it's the same thing. Um, but maybe some of the other parts are a little different. I know everyone's trefoil looks a little different too. Ours in Canada um, changed about two years ago. Um, so it looks different. And one of the big things that changed that had significant meaning was the um, stock. So it used to point downwards and to the left. And they switched it to being downwards and to the right because they wanted to embody the idea of forward thinking or future looking, um, which I, I thought was interesting um, that they wanted to change it. I think that, that was the least controversial part of the redesign. <laughs> yeah, it was just like the stock changing slightly different directions. Yeah. Um, but hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll let is. the designers do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still very recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that takes us on to some of the world badges or, or pins, um, depending on where you come from, you can call it a badge, but, um, I think, I know, especially in the UK, they call them badges here. We would call them pins because we call badges like crests, essentially. Yeah. Um, you sew badges onto things and you pin yes. pins onto things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the world badge, the original one, um, incorporates the trefoil, and it was first adopted at the 11th World Conference in Evian, France, in 1946. This date it was kind of late, right? It surprised me. I thought that was like pretty late down the road. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> that's a long time since the since the forming of Girl Guides. But I mean, I guess it takes that long to figure out what symbol you want to have to represent the organization yeah um you don't want it to be a quick process that has not a lot of meaning behind it so I i'm sure they took all those years <laughs> to mm -hmm. figure it out those like 36 years um so yeah the original one featured the world trefoil in gold on a blue background um and i don't um, we have a picture of it here in the document that we're looking at. Um, I will make sure I share it on social media, uh, all the variations of this pin. But the original one um, looks a little bit different. It's a solid trefoil. And at the base of the stem, it goes out a little bit on the left and the right. So it sort of looks like it's like in the ground a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, what they call the vein in the middle is like it's all about... Um, like white space so like they've just taken out the middle for the vein and they've taken out on either side they've taken a star so those are all blue as is the background 
Um, and it's a very dark blue. It's like a very dark navy. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost looks black in the photo, but it is it is navy. Um, so that's the original pin. You might not necessarily recognize the symbol because it's quite different than the one we know now, but it has the same sort of feel to it. Same idea. And I searched high and low trying to find this pin um, on the internet for a good photo. And as I was searching, I found a lot of um, these pins on sale on a lot of eBay pages and or up for auction, I guess you could say, um, because, you know, they're considered sort of a vintage find. Um, And these ones in particular, this first version was used from 1948 until 1989. So the badge probably didn't get made until 1948 or the pin, sorry. Um, And and it was used for those like 40, 41 years. Um, So that's a long time. Yeah. If you'd like one, there's tons on eBay. I mean, not tons, but like there's several. Um, You can go and bid on them. Uh, I think a lot of people have these old pins and just want to make sure they get passed along to another girl guide or another girl scout rather than looking at it I think I might have one oh really that's cool um I'll have to do some digging but it looks familiar enough like this isn't the first time I've seen it it's very possible because it was used until 1989. Like, it's quite possible that your mom or, like, um, like anyone else, any of our leader or co-guiders would have one. Yeah. Because it wasn't, I mean, to us, it wasn't that long ago that, that it switched to the new design. Mm-hmm. But maybe for kids, they're like, my goodness, 1989, so long ago. <laughs> I'll, uh, not all of my guiding stuff has been unpacked. A lot of my pins are still packed away um, from when I moved in December. But I know where they are. I'll have to take a look. Yeah, that would be cool if you had one. That's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember how much they're going for on eBay. Um, but I, I, it's not like as cheap as it would be to buy a pin today. <laughs> I will say that. Which um, they're like, I don't know, they're like maybe $3 Canadian at this point, I think. So not not bad. It's about the price of a pin. I know I've um, seen this next one. Yes, this is the one that we all know and love. Uh, I have one of these. It is. Um, it was started being used in 1990. Um, and is. I wasn't sure when the end date was because they're, I looked on the WAGS website on their store and they have this newer looking one that um looks more yellow rather than like golden mm-hmm. and the blue is also a more navy and less royal blue so so that pin that you and I know really well the gold looks very like orange even in person like I have one and I look at it and like that looks more orange to me than gold yeah and then the blue is more of a royal blue than a navy blue um, you can also, it's like, it's not a completely flat surface. Like there's ridges in between the, into the, in between mm-hmm. the colors. Um, so that's sort of what that one looks like. And the symbols, like the updated one, it's, it's the one that we, um, is still on their website and yeah. in all the branding. Um, um, and then they have what I would consider like the, still the most current one that's on the website now. Um, and it, like I said, it's more yellow, yellowy in color. And it also looks like, I can't tell because I don't have one in person, but they call it an enamel pin and it looks like it's completely smooth on top. Like it doesn't look like it would have any of those ridges. Like it looks like there's a little bit of a shine to it. Yeah. Um, but because I 
don't have one <laughs> in my hand. I don't, I can't tell. Um, so it might be the same. I think the colors are just a little bit um, brighter mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think it looks better. Yeah. But um, one other thing about at least the um, pin from the 1990s, um, the stem of the trefoil kind of looks like a flame or a wick. Yes. Um, yeah. Representing um, the guiding light, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And the trefoil itself is made out of like lines. It's not solid. So it's like these nice little curves mm-hmm. of each of the leaves. Um, it looks a little bit uh, fancier, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and very elegant looking, actually, I think. Um, and you can tell there is a little bit of a difference in, like, the one that they currently sell. The lines are a bit thicker, too. And the stem as well, even though it still sort of wraps around the hole and connects, it doesn't look quite as um, much of a flame as the ni- the one from 1990s. Yeah, it looks like they took the uh, pattern from the 90s and just, like, hit bold. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and, like, they increased the line weight on it. And, it like, it's just a little bit more oomph to it. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like it. I don't know. I also know, like, it, it kind of matches all the WAGS branded stuff. Like, you can get some of the – you can get a scarf – and I've noticed all their branding on, like, Instagram and Facebook is the same, like, more yellowy color and this dark blue. Okay. Like, if you have any of the World Thinking Day crests from the couple of years, they all have the same color scheme, where it's less the orangey gold and more of this, like, bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could call it gold, I suppose. <laughs> but um, it, it's not the, the same as the older one that we're used to. Yeah. Um, so those are the pins. Uh, I'd be curious to know which ones you recognize. I'll make sure that's one of the posts that goes out uh, on our social medias and you can sort of look at them all and decide for yourself or you can look them up yourself. You probably would if you're curious enough and you're listening and you're like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Um, The next pin um, was actually the hardest to find an image for. Um, (laughs) It doesn't seem to be uh, very popular, but there's a reason for that as well. It's just not as many were made. So it's the World Association badge, which sounds very familiar to the World Badge, but the difference is that it's the World Association badge. So, or PIN. Um, So this one was first adopted at the 7th World Conference in um, Poland. And it's interesting that this came along before the first one, before the the World Badge. Um, Mm -hmm. But this one was made um it was it's similar in design to the first world badge but its purpose was to be worn by members of the world board so it was sort of a more um oh what's the word not elite but it it was like you know you're a part of a smaller group um so anyone who was on the world board the committee was on the World Bureau staff, um, anyone who was the guider in charge at a World Center, any of their honorary associates, um, and other people who were carrying out special duties for WAGs um, were given this badge and they were allowed to wear it. So it is sort of a, a, a exclusive, that's the word. It's an exclusive badge, so you sort of have to 
have been a part of, of that. And it's, it's still then it's much harder to find one of these. I'm not sure if they still use it. Um, I was trying to figure out if they were, but I couldn't see anything, couldn't find anything. Um, I was lucky enough to find this image. Um, and it's actually thanks to a very great website called vintagegirlscout.com. Um, whoever compiled this website has done a great job because they have tons of information and photos of all these different pins and it's pins like from all the wags you know events and history um they also have it from like all the brownie pins like brownies were one of the first ones to sort of become a branch and then they you know guides was added mm -hmm. so there's a lot of brownie pins on there um they also i didn't include them in the research but I thought I'd mention briefly that they did have world center pins and it looks like they're not on sale in for on their online store. You can't find them anymore, but if you search like they're, they are fairly recent, the, the world center pins and the world region pins, but you can't, the only ones that have pins left are Pax Lodge. Pax Lodge has a few of them as well as some badges, but it looks like a lot of the other pins were either retired or maybe because it's COVID and they can't keep up with demand or supply. Maybe maybe they're just not available anymore. Are uh, they the participant pins? Because if you participate at a World Center, you get a pin. Uh, I don't know. I think these are just pins that you can buy. I don't think okay. they're participant. They don't say participant on them. They just say the name of the World Center or the region. Um. Yeah, like, yeah. Have, like I said, my pins are still packed away, but I'll pull out uh, my pins and get some photos for YouTube. I know the ones that you shared like a year ago with our chalet. Yeah. Um, not those. These were like okay. just very generic sort of world center themed. They weren't like, they weren't as nice as the ones you have, I should say. Like they're, they're a little bit more generic. In, yeah, in so they house. probably are just... A generic pen because the ones yeah. I have are participant pins yeah no I didn't I mean I didn't take a deep dive on that site but I imagine whoever put it together would should have some of the participant ones mm -hmm. um but yeah those are those are interesting if you go onto that website I mentioned you will see the region ones too and the region ones um are like dual tone so there's two colors and depending on the region like I think the African region um the pin and the badge that you can get, you can get either a pin or a badge, is orange and yellow. Like, I don't know if you've seen those ones. I should have included them, but um, they're they're nice. I, I imagine if you're a collector, that would be a nice one. So those are like the basis, the trefoil uh, pins and badges. And then there's the world flag. So you likely have seen this. It is on display. Um in a lot of, in a lot of, you know, buildings um, and organizations. Uh, and it's specifically if you're at a world center or a world bureau or any WAGS gathering, um, this is often used as the official flag for said events at center or bureau. It is also used by a lot of the member organizations and sometimes even as a unit flag, if you don't have one specifically to your branch, um, or it's just used in addition. Mm -hmm. I know, um, I'm trying to remember now, actually. 
what at co-op camp the camp we go to in the fall we always have a flag raising ceremony at the beginning and um and then like a lowering at the end of camp and um a scout and a guide are chosen to help with that and i'm trying to remember what flag we put up i'm pretty sure it's this flag um yeah i don't think guides canada has a through my photos I don't think Guides Canada has an official flag, so it makes sense that would be the world flag. I know. I was trying to think, hold on, do we have one? I'll have to look that up again. I don't know why I'm um, blanking on that. Did they have um, the world but anyway, flag, the flag at flag your jamboree? Quite often. Um, and on this flag, uh, at the jamboree, we just used a Canadian flag. We didn't use any organization flags. We used country flags. But, like, they didn't have it, um, like, the WAGS flag and whatever the scout equivalent is at the event? I, I'm pretty sure we didn't, which is actually kind of funny looking back. Like, it was all just country flags. And the, I, can, I, can, I can remember the photos, and I'm, like, pretty sure there wasn't actually a scouting flag or a guiding flag put up, huh. um, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this flag is mainly blue. Um, it has a golden trefoil as the focal point sort of in the upper left-hand corner, and it takes up almost half of the flag. Um, and there's what they call a white blaze in the lower right-hand corner. And this blaze represents uh, Wag's commitment to peace. And then it is crowned by three golden blocks which each, again, symbolize the threefold promise. Um, it sort of looks like, um, oh, what's that style called? It sort of looks like little pixels in the bottom mm-hmm. right corner, if that's how you want to think of it. Um, and yeah, it's a nice, like, it's, again, it's like more of that orangey gold and that royal blue. Yeah. And you can, you can still get that on the WAGS website if you need a flag for your unit or you're attending a big event and you need to get one they've got those for sale mm-hmm. um so then uh there is the wags friendship knot i thought i would include this because it's actually i think a little bit more popular than i thought so this knot symbolizes the ties which bind girls and adults who belong to the world association and in particular, it is a sign of the continuous friendship that um, we share. And this friendship knot is a knot that you can use quite often to tie your neckers or your scarves. And the tradition I have heard of is that you aren't supposed to tie the friendship knot yourself. You're supposed to have a friend teach it to you um, and a new friend as well at that. Mm-hmm. Um However, it is very much possible to tie it yourself. And like, I think, I think the point is like, once you've learned it from a friend, then you can do it yourself. It's, it's the also, act of learning it that should be done through friendship. Yeah. It's also very hard to do, or much harder to do by yourself than to have someone yeah. tie, like your tie with it, mm-hmm. um, which I think it helps just <laughs> that tradition of, you know, get yeah. to do it because it's just easier yeah um so this one has also a little bit of symbolism behind it so 
Um, apparently, the four ends of each of the knot um, represent the promise, the law, the motto, and the service to others, or what is also commonly referred to as the good turn. And the four squares that this knot creates stand for each of the four world centers. Now, at the time, that's what it represented. However, now that there's five world centers, um, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> yeah. But it's like nice sentiment um, when it was first created. Mm-hmm. Um if you're looking to learn how to do it and, you know, you're still in lockdown mode or you can't really go and, and, and visit your guiding friends, there is a YouTube video that the Irish Girl Guides um, created and they show you how to tie it. Um, it's uh, a really, I mean, it's pretty, like, um, it's hard to learn, I think, knots from videos. But if you just search the friendship knot, you will get a whole bunch of like links of different videos you can watch. Or if you want visual step-by-step sort of pictures drawn, you can learn it that way as well. Um, the friendship knot apparently is so popular that ePatches has a crest for it just dedicated to the friendship knot. Um, I know that knot also goes beyond um, just girl guides. I'm pretty sure some of the scouts know it as well. But um, because the scouts wear woggles, um, I mainly only see girl guides wearing it um, because we don't have woggles as part of our traditions. Um, So we just tie our scars in knots and this is like a great knot to use. Um, More so if you have a a necker as opposed to a a scarf like we do in Canada, but it it still works on a Canadian girl guide scarf. It's just a lot smaller. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, it seems to be significantly more popular in the UK than anywhere else yes. in the world as well. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't know, like, I can't really, or I don't really understand why it's so much more popular, like, in the United Kingdom versus anywhere yeah. else. Like, it's, must be, like, it's something beyond just, like, having an ecker. Um, mm-hmm. but every, like... British um, guiding friend I've made, they always have a friendship knot in their necker. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would uh, ho- totally agree with you on that. That is who I learned it from. I learned it from the Welsh Girl Guides. And then when I was in um, the Netherlands a couple of years ago, the uh, English Girl Guides also were wearing it. And um I can't remember if they taught our girls or if I taught the, our girls. I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure it was shared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember being really impressed with it when it, I was shown. I was also shown because that was the very first time in Iceland when I went um, as a ranger. That was the first time I ever had a necker as opposed to a scarf. And the neckers are just thicker material. Yeah. So it it works well when you do the necker roll where like you actually have to have two people to do the necker roll so each person takes one of the longer sides of the corner and together you wrap it really really tightly and mm-hmm. you roll until you've got like I don't know maybe three inches four inches of the, the triangle left still flat and then you take it and you like do a really good whack or a really good shake and it just looks beautiful like it's nice and like swirled perfectly and 
Um, I know with different countries, with their neckers, they have a dual tone. So the main necker is is one color. And then along the edges, they have a second color, mm-hmm. about an inch wide. And when you wrap it like this, it looks really beautiful and like swirled. Yeah. Um, and I love the look of it. And with the friendship knot, it looks even better. <laughs> so I, I definitely see the appeal and I would wear the friendship knot all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I had that kind of, of necker. Definitely. So I like it. You can also tie the friendship knot with just basic rope. Um, I came across a video done by two uh, young Australian guides who were teaching it with rope. It was a uh, very fun little video that they did together. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's the friendship knot. Um, then there is the guiding light. So the guiding light is pretty big symbol of our organizations it is symbolic of sisterhood and solidarity um it basically represents our strength our energy our connection and sort of is a representation of like our existence still being there sort of like you know when a when a a fire is still burning there's still heat there is still energy in the fire it's it hasn't gone out yet and nothing, it takes a lot to, to make it go out. Mm-hmm. Um, there is even a song associated with it. You've probably heard of it. It's called This Little Guiding Light of Mine. Um, and it's a fun one. And the guiding light is often used, especially during times of uncertainty or unfortunate events. Um, the guiding light is usually brought out by by different organizations to show solidarity, like I said, um, and support for for our sisters across the globe. This past Thinking Day, um, many Canadian landmarks um, were sort of in partnership with different uh, provincial councils, and they lit up these these landmarks in the guiding light colors, which most of the time I think was blue or blue and white. Um, so it's something that's kind of uh, taken on a, a bigger significance this year especially because of covid um i know at the beginning of the lockdown and pandemics like over a year ago there was quite the insistence that we um put you know our guiding light whether it be a candle a little tea light or something in the windows to show that like that guiding strength and energy and connection was still going yeah um and i know for most um enrollments and advancements and awards I've gotten at least like Pathfinders and beyond. Uh, I've received a light, so I have a number, a number of different girl guide um, lights around my apartment. Um, yeah, to you know symbolize either joining Pathfinders or leaving Pathfinders or getting my cord or getting my chief commissioner. Um, it's definitely a popular uh, gift to give along with um, what other gift you get as, you know, you move on, move up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've seen flashlights given as gifts in a way too. It's both Aww. useful and it's like a little bit of a symbol, mm-hmm. which is which is very nice. And next is the scarf or the necker, which I've already mentioned, but I thought I'd just also throw in that um, in some scouting, organizations um the neckerchief can also be particularly 
um, designed, at least in its color, um, with reference to the troop that they are a part of or the region that they come from. So certain colors indicate where you come from. Um, I believe it is, I know it's Scotland and I'm trying to remember if it's the guides or the scouts or both. Um, I have seen both. I'm pretty sure they have a little bit of tartan sort of um, as part of the neckers, which is really cool. That's amazing. Um, I don't know enough about Scottish tradition and culture to know if that tartan depends on your family, because I know each of the families have different ones. But it could also be an organizational tartan. Yes, I think it might be. I think that's potentially what it is. Um, I know when I was in Iceland and there was a Scottish uh, girl group and a, I'm pretty sure there was a scout group too. Um, they all wore the same kilt um, and, and the tartan was the same. So it, it could very well be organization uh, based. But I just think that's so cool that like mm-hmm. your, your necker is like particular to where you come from. I think that's really unique. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you will often get a scarf for a necker at Jamborees. That is like the the one thing that um, will help identify you as a participant of said Jamboree. Um, and it's also often an, a souvenir of the experience, which is kind of nice. But it's, you know, quick identifier when you see everyone wearing the same necker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then... I'll quickly list off some uh, symbols that are particular to certain countries. Um, Most of the ones I listed are Canadian, just because that's what I know. Um, So to start off with, as a country, um, we often symbolize, like, cookies have a symbolic reference for us. Um, It's sort of that symbol of girl independence but also you know it's it's basically our main way of being able to fund our trips and our events and activities and everything um campfires are a big one i think you know anyone you come across in canada who's in guiding like has been to a campfire and they're and they're pretty symbolic as well themselves Mm -hmm. um the campfire itself also has a lot of symbolism in it and you know, like the starting of the campfire, like we've mentioned in that campfire episode. Um, There's also camp blankets. Again, we've also mentioned before. um, This one's not as popular across the world, although I'm pretty sure our Girl Scout sisters in the U.S. also have camp blankets. Um, They're just pretty big. I think in terms of symbols, it's just like the achievements and the the collection of badges and trading is Mm -hmm. a big thing. Um, And then there's symbols woven into each of the branches of Canadian guiding as there are in other branches um, in other countries. So for us, we have Sparks, which is the youngest group. And some of their symbols include um, a rainbow and gem or gemstones. Mm -hmm. And the rainbow is a very big one. Um, It sort of shows that um, initiation, I guess you could call it, into Sparks. Um, but there's a story associated with it as well that's often told at enrollment ceremonies. And each what? of the leaders get gemstone names. So those are a big deal as well. One of the things I love about the Spark enrollment pin that I didn't realize until I was a Spark leader is that <laughs> the rainbow on the Spark enrollment pin isn't like a traditional like red, yellow, orange rainbow, but it goes in order of the branches. So yes. it's pink brown blue green red 
possibly blue again. Um, but I, a little thing that I noticed way later than I probably should have, um, that yeah. I very much appreciated. Yeah, I know the pin you're talking about. Um, I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere. I'm trying to remember. I think it even possibly might have like each of the letter letters of the initials of the branch. Like it might go S B P. I can't. Maybe I'm imagining I'm that. Pretty sure. Um, I need to look at it again, but I think it just yeah, says sparks. Oh yeah, maybe that's what I'm the thinking. letters. It's not. The letters <laughs> I was like, what am I? I know there's like a word on there somewhere. Just or maybe it's an acronym. But no, you're. I think you're right. I'll have to dig mine out. Um, and then, so brownie symbols, these are probably more common across international organizations because brownies is where it started. So I know in the UK, they share a lot of these symbols too. Um, so there's the owl, um, which leaders are also given owl names. There's the toadstool, um, which is what brownies gather around at the beginning of their meetings and sometimes even during and after. Um, from at least a Canadian standpoint, I know there's a mirror involved in enrollment with brownies. Um, it's about like looking into the mirror as a former spark and becoming, seeing a brownie. There's also a story associated with that. Um, and it sort of follows a very similar storyline that the spark story comes from. And it's always told that enrollment mm-hmm. um, or most, most often. Um, there's also the brownie member pin which a lot of Canadian girl guides will remember is what you used to tie your sash together to keep it together at the bottom. Um, this is the little brownie figure on the pin and it's, it's sort of, it's, um, I don't know how to describe it other than like it's golden and it's this little brownie that sort of looks like a pixie um, on this horizontal pin um, that you used to pin your sash together Um, and it hasn't really changed at least from when my mom was a brownie um to today i think i ended up at one point our pins got mixed up and i used hers for a really long time (laughs) as my brownie pin um which shows you how little it changed in the 30 odd years between when she was brownie and i was a brownie um (laughs) so if you you know are kind of thinking back and like oh, this is what, like, mine looked like. Is it the same? It almost definitely is the exact same or similar enough um, to what you're thinking of from when you were a brownie. I know I remember mine. um, It had the two backing pieces. It wasn't, like, a straight pin. And inevitably, throughout the year, I would lose at least one of the backings (laughs) and, like, would have to find a replacement or, like, the entire thing would fall off and, like, one of my brownie leaders or guide leaders would find it and be like, is this anybody's? And you'd all have to, like, check to see if you still had a backing on your pins because they were just, like, notorious for falling off, especially, like, as brownies and guides, you were running around getting into things. Like, it was just bound to happen. I'm pretty sure when I was in brownies and guides, we had our sashes on for opening and closing. Um, and then we were told to take them off and put them in our bags because our leaders got so fed up with us losing oh. our bags. <laughs> um, uh, that, and it was just hard to run with them on. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember taking ours off. I'm pretty sure we just, like, I guess our leaders weren't thinking like I'm sick and tired of finding all these backings. <laughs> I think they just uh, they just uh, went along with it. <laughs> we still lost ours all the time too. Don't worry. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's guides. Um, this I had a little bit harder time finding symbols, but um, the ones that I could find were so there's a big link to nature. Um, each of the guide patrols is either a flower or a, or a bird. I think that is still the case, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know I was at one point I was a trillium and then I was also a canary. Um, so you got to sort of vote on that, at least when in my guide, you know, we got to vote on which um, symbol we wanted to have represent our little patrol. Um, so that was really nice. Um, there's also the Lady Baden-Powell pin, which is the Lady Baden-Powell award pin. Um, and this is, of course, what I referenced earlier. It's um, in the shape of Lady Baden-Powell's iconic hat, um, where, like, it's that sort of bucket hat style, like, much more regal looking. Um, and the one side was turned up or, or pinned up. It looks like it was just, like, ironed up. Um but it's very iconic. You will recognize it if you just search Lady Baden-Powell. She was almost always wearing that hat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a blue-brimmed hat. Uh, and that's what's in the pin for the Lady Baden-Powell Award um, here in Canada. Um, and then moving on to Pathfinders, um, the only symbol I could really think of was the Canada Cord. And this, of course, is unique to our country. Um, so current pathfinders are probably like wondering what the heck why is it called a cord a canada cord like what does that mean um well it originally was a cord like a piece of rope that was red and white and woven together um one of the reasons that a cord was used as the award is because it um not only was like a symbol of your achievement but you could also wear it nicely on Um, around your shoulder and it would fit perfectly under the epaulette of your uniform because uniform shirts used to have epaulettes those little flaps on either shoulder um, that were you know fastened with a little button Um, the other reason to have a cord and I think this dates back to sort of the military side of things is because it was always a useful piece of material to have on you if you were always wearing your guiding uniform when you were out doing guiding activities you had a piece of rope for you with you and you could use that if you needed to in like an emergency um and that reminded me of like how paracord bracelets are useful for the same reason like it's a piece of rope that you wear around your wrist and like you can use it when you got your canada cord marissa was it still a cord or had they moved to the uh, ribbon and pin by that point i think they had like just changed to just the pin and the ribbon I Uh, was sort of a little disappointed that we couldn't get a a cord because I thought those looked really cool. But the uniform didn't really allow for it to be, like, fastened on. So so during that transition of, like, switching uniforms and cord, um, it kind of happened over five or so years. Mm -hmm. But the the old Alfred Sung uniforms had epaulets. And then they stopped putting them on the um, uh. uniform. So you were given, when you got your Canada cord, a absolutely useless additional pin that went on top of your <laughs> shoulder to keep your cord in place. Oh, boy. But, like how we were talking about how the brownie pin does not keep 
like stay to keep your sash together. This pin also was awful at staying clasped to keep your candle cord on your shoulder. Um, so it didn't last very long, but um, it did exist for a while. Um, hmm. But yeah, when they uh, stopped making uniforms with epaulets, the cord version of the Canada cord and the chief commissioner award um, made very little sense. Hmm. That's very interesting to hear. And that timeline makes sense too, because I think we're about four or five years five, apart. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense that, yeah, by the time it got to me and we earned ours, it was no longer a thing, which mm-hmm. is pointing but I get what you mean like where are you going to put it right it would just basically be a display piece for you to have at home yeah so makes sense a pin is much more useful in in displaying and much easier to display doesn't look as cool but it is no, much more useful I agree it doesn't look as good <laughs> um okay and lastly just before we move on to our famous former girl guide i just wanted to mention that if you think we missed some of the symbols um the reason is we have already done a lot of them so if you're looking to hear more about the motto the good turn the left handshake the salute and thinking day um you have to listen to episode two for these things we covered that all the way back at the beginning only our second episode into the podcast um so you gotta go back and listen to that to hear more about all those good things um the world song as well is also included in episode one and then each of the world centers we have done in episode four um they go in order from their creation date um so look out for episode four episode 13 25 41 and 52 for each of the world centers um more information is filled in each of those episodes hmm. um and yeah uh that brings us to our she was going you know one of the key guiding symbols in our lives Olaf baden powell Nancy Reagan, Helen Hayes, Jan Davis, John Sauvet, Carrie Fisher, William's sister, Shirley Temple Black, Tammy Duckworth, Kathy Frost, Candace Bergen, Lucille Ball, Debbie Reynolds, Princess Margaret, Hillary Clinton. Did you know she was a girl guide? Busting down the door a hundred years or more. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was a guide, you know. Did you know she was a girl guide? So I was actually kind of surprised how little information there was about Olave versus how much information there was about Agnes. Um, I kind of thought, considering how Olave is definitely the much better known of the two, um, and um, much more significant in guiding history um as we kind of talked about in the um episode we talked about agnes spade and powell but there is you know a decent amount of information i was able to find starting with her birthday which is february 2nd 1889 in chesterfield england um and she was born as olave soames uh she was the youngest of three children to um, the 
a father who was a brewery owner and an artist named Harold. And her mom was named Catherine Mary. Um, a fun fact that I saw was that Olave was named after uh, the king of Norway at the time, uh, Olaf. Um, and I couldn't really figure out where that came from or why she was named after him, um, other than she was. Um, <laughs> Being of um, a slightly, you know, middle, higher class um, in the late 1800s, uh, she was educated at home uh, by a number of governesses over the years. Um, and she uh, enjoyed playing outdoor sports, including tennis, swimming, um, English football, skating, and canoeing, as well as she was a violinist. Um, and then, um, she met Lord Baden-Powell, um, in January 1912 on an ocean liner heading to, uh, New York and then the Caribbean for a, um, winter tour of, you know, the new world, um, that she accompanied her father on. Um, they got married very quickly, um, being married by the end of October in 1912. Um, so only uh, 10 months later. Um, at the time of their marriage, Lord Baden Powell was 55 and Olave was only 23. Uh, the ceremony was very private, and the only people present were um, Robert Baden Powell's, one of his brothers, and one of his sisters. I didn't say which brother and sister, um, and a close family friend, as well as Olay's parents, um, one of or her brother, her brother-in-law, and uh, one of her close family one of her close friends as well. Um, as a wedding present, um, scouts and guides in England donated a penny each to buy them a car. Um, so penny campaigns must, must have been very popular because the car that was bought as a wedding present was not their Rolls Royce, which was later bought to them, bought for them, by scouts and guides um, through a different penny campaign that we should definitely cover one day. We should talk about the rule stories. Uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of history behind that one. I don't, I'm not as informed about that. Um, it's a cool story. We will definitely cover it one day. Um, it was, um, got, or they got it after uh, Lord Baden-Powell was given his lordship. Right. Um, after their wedding, they moved to a house called named Paxt Hill um, near Bentley, Hampshire, where they lived from 1919 to 1938, when they ended up moving to Kenya. Um, the Baden Powells had three children: Arthur Robert, um, who became the second Baron Baden Powell. Heather Grace Baden-Powell and Betty St. Clair Baden-Powell. Um, and then 
fun fact, Betty um, also met her husband who shared the same birthday as her on a ship. And he was also um, significantly older than her. Not the same age gap between um, Robert and Olave Bain and Powell, but still significant. It was about 10 to 15 years um, and Betty St. Clair was uh, prominent in the guide movement in Northern Rhodesia, um, which was a protectorate of Britain and uh, South Central Africa from 1911 to 1964. Um, and then on top of their three children, when Olave's sister, um, Ariel, Died in 1919, Olave took in her three nieces, Christian, Claire, and Vaughn, um, and raised the three girls as her own children as well. Um, all the children went to boarding schools because of how busy the Baden-Powells were. They weren't able to be home to help um, raise the children. But Lord and Lady Baden-Powell made sure that their schedules allowed them to be home during school breaks and holidays to spend as much time together as a family as possible. Mm. Um, so like her husband, Olave Baden-Powell was also um, worked on the war front. Um, she worked in France at a YMCA recreation hut where she was uh, part of a group of five men and three women who all had a connection with uh, guiding and scouting. Um, when she um, was working there, it was during the Second World... Sorry, the First World War. Um, and... Uh, when she was called up to go help and work in this recreation hut, she left Heather, her second child, when she was five months old with um, her mom to help kind of watch her and her son. Um, she worked in a hut in Callis and then uh, it tapes. Um, and over the three months she was there, she was known to be kind and caring and would regularly play violin concerts for the uh, soldiers uh, in the evenings. Um, she ended up being sent back to England um, after only three months due to uh, sickness. Um, so her scouting career um, right after when they, right after when the Baden-Powells got married in 1912, they moved to Erhurst Palace outside of Sussex, and Olave got started in the, uh, scouting movement right away, and she started a troop with the help of her housemaid and gardener for the, uh, local children. Um, and that's where she started quickly moving up the ranks um, and guiding to eventually become the chief guide in 1918, which she preferred the title of over chief commissioner. Um, and then um, another sweet thing that I saw 
was that Alev accompanied uh, Lord Baden Powell on many of his events and tours. Uh, she would type his letters for him. And after she learned how to drive in 1915, she would be the one who drive him to events, um, which I thought was cute, you know, having your super important husband. And um, they were definitely wealthy enough and influential enough that they could have had a driver, but she mm. wanted to be involved and, you know, she could drive. So why wouldn't she drive him? Mm-hmm. Um and then um, they, the Baden Powells moved to Kenya in 1938, um, where she stayed until after Lord Baden Powell's death in 1941. Uh, she returned to the UK in 1942 during World War II, um, where she was given a grace and favor apartment at uh, Hampton Court Palace since um, their family home, Pax Hill, was commandeered by the Canadian military. Huh. Yeah, which I found interesting. Um, and the word commandeered sounds a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure how much of it was commandeered and how much of it was they hadn't lived there in three years at the start of the war. So yeah. like a, a lot sense. of English homes, like big ones like that um, were often like used as like a, a base for militaries mm-hmm. um, during the war. Um, if you've ever watched Downton Abbey during the first um, world war, they were, they sort of in a way volunteered their home, but at the same time, we're kind of like a little annoyed by it, but um, yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was sort of right. Your active service. So very yeah. common actually in England. Yeah. Um, and then I had to look up what a grace and favor apartment was. Cause I wasn't quite sure. Um, and it's a place uh, to live owned by the monarch and it's leased off and rent free to persons as part of either employment or in gratitude for past services rendered. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would have been given this uh, apartment or set of rooms. Not quite sure what the condition was um, or how big her space was um, as a thank you for giving up Pax Hill to uh, the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once the war had ended, she uh, toured through Europe to help revive guiding and scouting through Europe. Um, And then from the end of the war to her death, uh, she traveled around the world to establish and encourage the guiding movement. Uh, She traveled pretty regularly and extensively um, until um, she was told in 1970 that she wasn't allowed to travel anymore by her doctor um, due to failing health. She had had a heart attack and had diabetes and just was, you know, getting older. Um, some uh, things to know is that she was in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the founding of U.S. 
GSA in 1962. And uh, there's a photo um, of her at Doe Lake um, when she visited in the 60s as well. Um, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that photo in some of the uh, they have a uh, Girl Guides Canada has an archive on Flickr and you mm-hmm. can see a lot of photos. I believe there's that photo in there. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a photo that I like sharing and showing. It's mm-hmm. nice to like be able to say that, you know, Olivia and Powell came to yes. like one of our huge properties. Um, she died on June 25th, 1977 in Surrey, UK. And shortly after her death, her ashes were taken to Kenya to be born, to be buried at the same grave as Lord Baden-Powell's. Uh, there is a memorial stone in Westminster Abbey that was unveiled in the presence of Princess Margaret on February 12th, 1981. Um, and the memorial stone replaced the one for Lord Baden-Powell that was unveiled in 1947. And the current stone has the badges of uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts uh, engraved in it underneath their uh, faces. It's a really pretty stone. Um, quite cool. If you're ever out in England, you should go check that out. Mm-hmm. Especially because I guess that's not very far from like off the beaten path when it's um, Westminster Abbey. It's not too far if you're yeah. doing touristy things anyway. Yeah, and then you can be there when uh, Big Ben chimes and you can sing the Little Bells of Westminster. Have a nice little go. guiding moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of her um, recognitions and awards from over the years is that she was given the Dame Grant Grand Cross of the Most Excellent Order for the British Empire in 1932. She was also awarded the White Rose of Finland, the Order of the Sun from Peru, and the Golden uh, Pheasant Award, which is the highest <laughs> award of scouting in Japan. Mm. Um, and she was awarded the Bronze Wolf. Uh, by the World Scout Committee for Exceptional Services for World Scouting, one of, oh, I didn't write it down, like three or five ever awarded. So a very rare wow. honor. I mean, it makes sense being um, like related to Lord BP and all. Yeah. Um, and then she also was presented with her own personal standard or her own personal flag which is um, a blue background and then nearest to, like on the left side, nearest to where the flag would be um, is the gold trefoil and then has two small hemispheres showing a colored world map indicating her post as chief guide. Um, And these are placed um, on the high left side of the main flag um, there's waves, um, and then, um, there is a, um, motto, sorry, um, the Baden-Powell and Girl Guide mottos are, um, 
and two monobands held between two red birds. Um, yeah, it there is tents on it. Um, and at the very right side, the Baden Powell crest is um, placed as well. So a very busy flag, but seems like it'd be very pretty. Um, I couldn't find a picture of it. Um, I think I found it. Oh, <laughs> in a badge form. I was like, this is a lot of stuff on it. Like, how did they fit that? But I can see it now. It's one of those really long rectangular ones, sort of. Yeah. So a standard is a little different than like a regular flag. Right. Um, like it's, you know, either for a person or um, where I know the term from is the Princess Pat um, division uh, got a new standard um, oh right maybe not even five years ago and it was in the news which is how I remembered what the sta- like what a standard meant um, gotcha but yeah so it's a flag like thing it can be a little bit we'll longer. share photos of all these like specific things that we talk about there's going to be a lot from this episode but yeah I think people will be interested to see what, what they all are so mm-hmm. I'll make sure to share that one. Um, and that is all I have on Olivia and Powell. <laughs> like I said, I was surprised at how little there was, especially compared to um, Agnes, but very interesting life. Yeah, I think it's partly like she had a shorter, um, well, I don't know if it was a shorter life, but um, like Agnes sort of came in, I think, um, I don't know. There's just more information about Agnes. I agree. I remember Uh, looking that up and also being surprised. Yeah. It seems like Agnes was a little bit more all over the place doing like lots of things everywhere versus Mm. Olave very much was like, I am, you know, the world chief guide. Um, I'm going to spend all my time (laughs) focusing on this and I'm going to be the best person I can and the best parent I can and not pay as much attention to everything else going around um is kind of what I got but yeah yeah two remarkable women Mm -hmm, definitely um and that brings us to our campfire song for this week our vision for tomorrow our vision for tomorrow will circle Oh, this song is uh, a very interesting one. I had to do quite a bit of digging for this one. Um, and after all the digging, I didn't actually come up with very much. Um, the first challenge I had was finding um, a song, like a audio clip of this song. And that was really, really hard. Um, could not find it anywhere. Um, I was able to find the lyrics, Um when I did search, it is one of the first Google searches, um, at least on my computer, because I'm located in Canada. 
is the Sing Ontario Sing uh, website page because it was included in the 2018 to 2019 challenge. Um, that year in particular, um, Sing Ontario Sing decided to focus on the theme of sort of like world travel slash WAGS regions. Um, so all of the songs in that challenge that year were from a different WAGS region and there were several from each of the uh, regions. Um, some of the songs that come from the region um, were, were just sort of more generically from that region, while other songs were more specifically from a certain country in the region. So it, it really depended. Um, Arab region only had two songs in the challenge, um, just because there wasn't as many songs um, that they could find or were sort of available. Um, and the part of the the challenge was that um, uh, I'm trying to see if I listed it here. Oh, I didn't list it. Um, you, depending on your branch level, you had to select a certain number of songs to learn. Um, so I, you know, like if you're a spark, you only, I think had to learn it's something between one to two songs from each of the regions. Whereas when you get up to Pathfinders and Rangers, you have to, you have to do more from each region that are available. Um, the song is also included in the Archelet songbook. Um, it's the second songbook, Archelet songbook number two, and it's on page five, if you have that songbook. Um, that is according to the internet too, though. Um, so, I mean, that might be, it, it has potential for being incorrect. Um, I don't have a songbook from Archelet, so I cannot confirm. Um, but let me know if you have one and, and you can. Um, some of the songs, of course, um, in the challenge for Sing Ontario Sing um, were of course selected from different places around the world. And for that reason, a lot of the lyrics contain certain cultural or religious references because some of the organizations there have a connection to uh, a particular re religion um, depending on where they are. Um, so Sing Ontario Sing made sure they made note of that um, because we are definitely more uh, non-religious organization. Um, we, we do not want to associate with one particular religion of the others because we want to be very opening, um, open, sorry, and welcoming to anyone who wants to join, um, just so that everyone feels like it's a place where they can be. Um, so with that, people were allowed to choose um, their songs or sing alternate lyrics if they felt that was better fitted for their unit. Um, but the whole point of it was just to learn, learn these songs from different areas of the world, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so after I did that, um, and I visited the Sing Ontario Sing page, uh, on that challenge page for that year, they actually had videos listed, um, for each of the songs, um, so that you could learn the songs. Because if you're learning a song from another country, you've never heard it before. And there's, um, there's also no music written for it. Like there's no, um you know, music page with, you know, your like your um, treble clefs and all that, like there was nothing there. Um, it was just the lyrics. So they had to have these videos available. Um, so I finally found a, an audio clip for our vision for tomorrow. Um, it was listed as unlisted on YouTube, meaning that you can't just stumble across it. You would have to have the link for it. Um, so luckily enough, I found it. Um, overall, the lyrics are very nice. Um, I don't, they could, 
could possibly be translated. Um, it does say um, from the Arshali songbook that the, there are lyrics included from Sudan, Jordan, and Kuwait. Um, so it's possible that the lyrics were originally in a different language, but it uh, didn't really say that. So I'm not sure if it was originally written in English or one another language. It's, it's quite possible. Um, but it does sound very nice in English. So, I mean, who knows? Um, the clip that you will have heard is just sort of the first verse. Um, that's all they taught for this challenge. So that's all that I could hear. Um, it's a fairly nice song. It actually sounds a little bit familiar for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, I maybe have heard it elsewhere before. Um, but it just talks about like sort of our vision of tomorrow, of course. Um, and it's sort of, you know, from a, a worldwide perspective as Girl Guides, um, you know, our intentions, our goals, our, our mission, which is talking a lot about peace, like worldwide peace and lasting peace. Um, and, you know, talking about that there's potential for the future for, for another tomorrow um, and, and a lot of hope as well. And then in each of the verses, it sort of goes on to describe what that is. So the course in particular too. So it talks about, um, you know, having one world, one mind, one heart, one family um, with food for all and jobs for all, um, uh, a world of smiles and happiness and love. They also talk about um, variety makes us whole and unity is our goal. So that's talking about diversity um, but how, like, through diversity, we can also be united. Um, and, you know, through through that diversity, we can also have respect for each other, um, for everyone, as well as rights for everyone. So it's very, like, it's, I would say it's world-encompassing, and it's also pretty forward-thinking. Um, and my my thinking, too, is that it's, it's something that every organization in WEGS um, agrees with and supports. So, and then um, one of the last verses talks specifically more about, um, it mentions the Kenyan Dawn, which is very interesting. So maybe it was originally written in Kenya, but I, I couldn't really tell. Um, that, I don't know, I, I would assume Kenya is in the Africa region though. So I, I'm not entirely sure. Pretty sure um, it is. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, so, I don't know. It's a very interesting song. I really like the first verse that is sung, but I haven't heard the rest of it, so I don't know what the rest of it sounds like. But um, it's nice. I, I do like it. There is, of course, mention of God too in this song, but again, because it comes from another country where religion is much bigger part of their organization and their movement. Um, just like how their promises are different too and mention sometimes depending on the country, um, God or, or Buddha or, or another spiritual being. Mm -hmm. um, you just sort of, you know, as a outsider, you respect that and uh, it's just all part of learning it. You don't have to agree with it. Um, yeah. And it's very much um, talking about God and like, let's, you know, have a nice world where we can all live and yes. Yeah. be together um kind of yeah, it's, less... it's, it doesn't talk about like any like sinning or anything like yeah. that it's a very positive song right less more of a... uh, overhanded religious and just kind of like yeah. cultural um like this is who created yes yeah and understanding yeah 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I know this song, surprisingly. Um, I'm sure once I hear it, I'll remember it or recognize it, but it definitely isn't coming to mind. Um, looking at the Yeah, lyrics. I... Oh, yeah, 2018 to 2019, I was a guide. I was like, oh, I wasn't really involved. I was involved in guiding. I don't know why I thought that. Um, we just haven't done... I haven't done Sing Ontario Sing as a guider yet. Um, I do want to try it. Um, my only issue is that I don't play an instrument. So as much as I'd love to be able to, like, bring a keyboard or, like, a guitar and play it so that we were all in tune, I don't have... I don't have that ability. So um, that's just like my one little stepping stone. But I mean, you can do Sing Ontario Sing without that. You don't need to. It just it just can be sometimes helpful in playing it. But I think what I'm going to do is like download songs and like just be able to play them on a speaker and then and then we know what the tunes are. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Um, most of the Sing Ontario Sings, I did it all through pathfinders and rangers possibly through guides um and at least then um our leaders would pick the more common songs for us to learn on Mm -hmm. like in the sing ontario sing challenge um i don't think we went into the you know really hard ones um but yeah um we like we all just kind of learned it through sing songs um Mm -hmm. yeah that's sort of the point of it too you don't it's not the the point is not to be a choir the point is just to like have fun and learning it yeah you need to be good enough to have a campfire um and that's about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah i think that brings us to the end of another episode um make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform wherever you're listening to us um whether that be spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts um wherever you may be finding us make sure you give us a five-star rating and a review to let us know that you're listening and enjoying and you can also follow us on social media. We're at Guides Own on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can keep up to date on the newest episodes, any podcast news, and of course, behind the scenes bits on those accounts. Um, we will be sure to share some of the things we mentioned, like the pins and the and the flags and Lady Baden Powell's um, standard as well, just so you can see what that all looks like. Yeah. And as we part, we wish you all our listeners good guiding. Good guiding. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hills, from the sky, all is well, safely rest, peace is nigh.